0: Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. I don't know if you knew this, but I have brown eyes. And this podcast is going to be about eyes, eye color, and also crimes involving eyes. The eyes have it in British Parliament, it's spelled with an A, but they vote either I or no. The eyes to the right, 397. The nose to the left, 223. So the eyes have it, the eyes have it. Yes, the eyes have it. I'm also an artist and I do portraiture. So if you capture the eyes, you actually capture the person, the essence of the person, the soul of the person. Remember William Shakespeare's Macbeth also uses eyes to cast spells. know what an eye of Newt is, but it sounds delicious. And then remember the song by Crystal Gale? She had like really long hair all the way down to her feet. Anyway, she has blue eyes, but she sang a song, which is not possible. Even though the Nazis tried to do it, you cannot make your brown eyes blue unless you are wearing colored contacts. Now, some people have one blue eye and one brown eye, and that's called heterochromia. Uh, And it's very odd-looking. It's like, which one do I look at? And just an example of two people that you might know that have heterochromia. Well, one would had it is David Bowie. The other one is actress Jane Seymour, better known as Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman or as a former Bond girl. And yes, she has two different colored eyes. Marilyn Manson, no, he wears contacts. And in the United States, eye color by population ranges from 45% have brown eyes. So I am like in the majority. And I wish I had blue because blue eyes are so fascinating to me. They're so pretty. And they, the way they catch the light and they, the way they look in photographs, 27% of the population has blue eyes. My grandfather on my father's side had blue eyes and my cousin Kelly has blue eyes and his dad had, so my uncle had blue eyes, but Both my parents had brown eyes, so chances were that my sister and I were going to have brown eyes, which we do, and my daughter has brown eyes. So, hazel, which is like a brown-green, is 18%. Green eyes, very rare, 9%. And other, I guess that would be the heterochromia or like Liz Taylor's lavender eyes, 1%. But did you know that if you are one of the 27% of people who have blue eyes, your blue eyes are not really blue? Just like the sky is not really blue. Now I'm going to have you bending spoons with your mind. You're going to be like, what? What does she mean my eyes are not blue? Well, brown eyes get their color from melanin, which is the same stuff you get when you lie in the sun and you get a tan. It's a pigment that colors your skin. Now, blue eyes don't have any blue pigment in them. Hmm. So how do they get their color? Well, they get it in the same way that the sky gets its blue color. Your eyes scatter light so that more blue light reflects back out. So what does that mean? Blue eyes get their color from the light that's coming in and being reflected back out. And they can only appear as different colors depending on lighting conditions. So when your eyes are closed and you have blue eyes, they're not blue. Green and hazel eyes are a mixture of pigment color and color from scattered light. So they can also look different in different lighting settings. And, you know, if you have blue eyes and you wear like a blue t-shirt, they're like really blue. But if you wear like a green t-shirt, your eyes look a little bit more greenish blue or sea foamy. Now, the colored part of the eye is called the iris. The iris is a structure that contains muscle and other kinds of cells. It contracts, gets bigger and smaller so that you can let more light in and out of your eye to see better depending on the lighting. Now you can see the iris in action when it squeezes or relaxes to let in less or more light in through the pupil. The iris is made up of two layers now for almost everybody, even people with blue eyes. There's a back layer called the pigment epithelium, and it has brown pigment in it. But the front layer of the iris, called the stroma, is made up of overlapping fibers and cells. I mean, if you look at this in a microscope up close, it's fascinating. It almost looks like a mountain range. Now, for people with brown eyes, some of the cells also have brown pigment. Now, if there's no pigment at all on this front layer, the fibers scatter and absorb some of the longer wavelengths of light that come in. More blue light gets back out and the eyes appear to be blue like magic aha so the light brown pigment interacts with the blue light and the eye can look green or speckled in some ways many people have various colors in their eyes of their irises and often one color near the pupil and another at the edge actually uh if you look at brad pitt's eyes he's got like a brown dot I look Yes, I've looked very close into Brad Pitt's eyes many times. Now, this variation happens when different parts of the Irish have different amounts of the pigment melanin in them. Now, as I said, you can't change your blue eyes to brown or vice versa, but the Nazis sure tried. They experimented with people in their ambitiousness and zealousness to create the Nazi vision of an Aryan supremacy. Remember Dr. Joseph Mengele, who lives in Pahoki now, by the way? famously known as the angel of death, was fascinated by twins, dwarfs, cripples, and what he calls exotic specimens. He was also fascinated with eyes and eye color and controlling the color of someone's eyes. Now, Dr. Mengele tried to change the color of patients' eyes genetically by injecting die into the eyes of his victims. Oh my God. This usually resulted in painful infections, even blindness, you think? And after the victim would die, he would take their eyes and tack them to the walls of his office. You've heard of the walls having ears? Well, his walls had eyes. Now after Mengele collected all the data he wanted from a patient, they were killed by a single injection of chloroform to the heart. And then he would take special care to make sure twins were killed at the same time. And then they were dissected and their organs were taken to research centers, especially the eyes. -ah -ah -ah. Now, babies, when they're born, often don't have a lot of pigment in their irises. And that's why their eyes can look very deep blue when they're first born. More pigment accumulates in the iris over the first few months of a child's life. And blue eyes can become less blue or even turn completely brown. And sometimes with in vitro, Parents can select the eye color of their child. Like Michael Jackson, his daughter Paris, she's got the most amazing light blue eyes. Now the genetics of eye color are very complicated. You can't predict a child's eye color just from looking at the parent's eyes. As I said, my parents have brown eyes, but my dad's brother has blue and my cousin has blue. I could have had blue because of my grandfather. And maybe if my daughter decides to give me a granddaughter, that baby will have blue eyes because the recessive gene can be passed down. Now, even parents who both have brown eyes could have a child with blue or green eyes. Genetic research has shown that blue eyes probably only appeared in the last six to 10,000 years. Before then, people had brown eyes, so the blue eyes probably have spread through the population just because some people, they're very Nordic, just because some people like how they look and chose to have children with blue-eyed people. Aha, I'm going to breed with you so I can have a blue-eyed baby. Now, I would never have LASIK or anything that would cut my cornea. I just, no, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I may have cataract surgery because it's really simple. They remove the cloudy lens and then insert a new one. They actually did it to an ape at the zoo, at Zoo Miami. And she was like, she couldn't believe it after the surgery. She was able to see all of her friends and stuff. And she was like so happy that she could see again. It was Fabulous. Now, they don't shave off your cornea, though, in this situation when you get the cataract surgery. And I'm telling you this because there was a meteorologist in Detroit that a month before taking her own life on December 12th, 2019, Jessica Starr at Fox 2 Detroit. She was a meteorologist. She shared that she was struggling with complications such as dry eyes and blurred vision from her LASIK type eye surgery that she had in 2019. She had a small incision. Lenticule extraction, also known as a smile procedure. And unfortunately, after the procedure on her beautiful blue eyes, she was unable to see and they hurt. I just want to get my vision back 100%. I am. Um I am struggling a little bit, so I do still need all the prayers and the well wishes because uh, this is a hard go. The doctor said it could take up to three months or so before I feel like 100 percent again. Four weeks later, Jessica Starr was dead. Meteorologist Jessica Starr took her own life. Starr was a Michigan native born in Southfield and raised in Commerce Township. She earned two meteorology degrees from Michigan State and Mississippi State Universities. Shocking her friends at the Fox affiliate in Detroit very difficult moment we wanted to share with all of you. Jessica was 35, married with two children. Her mom said she could tell that things weren't right a few days after the procedure and that Jessica lost a lot of weight, like 25 pounds. She wasn't eating and she was very depressed. So she killed herself. Now the smile procedure she had only corrects nearsightedness. So she was obviously trying to be able to see better without having to wear glasses on the air as a meteorologist. And context can be kind of a bummer. Well, news reports and websites such as LASIKcomplications.com ugh, have cited nearly a dozen instances of LASIK patients who were driven to suicide by the unbearable pain and vision impairments that followed their procedures. Man, it's not worth it. Now, what do you do if you lose an eye? There's a few options, such as a patch. Madonna, or should I say Madam X, wears an eye patch, even though she hasn't lost an eye. Now she's just lost her mind. And Representative Dan Crenshaw lost his right eye. In 2012, he was hit with an IED explosion in Afghanistan's Helmand province. He now rocks an eye patch. And every once in a while, a very cool contact lens over his remaining eyeball now, there is the option of the glass eye, or should I say an acrylic prosthetic eye. Did you know that actor Peter Falk of Columbo fame wore a prosthetic eye for most of his life? He lost his right eye. It was surgically removed when he was three because he had a retinoblastoma. I think that's, it's got an oma in there, so it must have been some sort of a cancer. And so he wore an artificial eye for most of his life, and that eye was the cause for his trademark squint on the show Columbo. What were we talking about before Mr. Santini came in? We were concentrating on the reading glasses. Right. Do you have a suspect? Yes, but we don't have a motive for you. Well, finding a motive should be a piece of cake for a couple of clever men like you. And I promise you I will not disappear before your very eyes when you come to arrest me. Disappear before your very eyes? Sorry. Disappear before your very eye. Hello. One time, the public found out that Falk had a fake eye because it fell out of his socket and landed in his soup while he was eating out at a New York restaurant. Waiter, what's this in my soup? I don't know. Wait. Let me see. I have something in my eye. Oh, it's an eyelash. Oh, no, it's your finger. Oh, no, it's my finger. Can you get it out? (laughs) Not that funny. When I was a health reporter at Channel 25, ABC affiliate here in West Palm Beach, I did a story with a one-eyed ocularist who wore a fake eye that he made himself. That's what an ocularist does. The ocularist makes prosthetic eyes. That's their job. Now, the story was about an adorable little girl who poked her eye out when she fell on the bayonet of a small plastic toy army man. The ocularist makes each eye by hand and he studies the patient as he paints the iris and then tries to match it with the other eye. It's like painting a portrait almost. He sits there with the live patient. Then he uses red thread to make them look a little bit bloodshot and they're very realistic. And they're, you know, they're not round like a glass eyeball. Rather, the prosthetic fits over the orbital implant under the eyelids. It's really cool. The prosthetic eye moves, but not as fully or briskly as your healthy eye. And the pupil of the prosthetic obviously does not change in response to light. Now, in the past, an eye doctor would keep hundreds of glass stock eyes in cabinets and would fit patients with the best eye right out of the drawer. Just pop it in there. Now, they stopped making glass eyes in the 1940s during World War II because they came from Germany, and German goods were limited, and German glass blowers no longer toured the United States. So the United States military, along with a few private practitioners, developed the technique of fabricating these prosthetics using oil pigments and plastics. And since World War II, plastic has become the preferred material for the artificial eye in the United States, or should I say acrylic. And the eye was a symbol of life to the ancient world, particularly in Egypt, where bronze and precious stone eyes were placed on the deceased, and the Romans decorated statues with artificial eyes made of silver. And of course, you've got the all-seeing eye, or the eye of providence. It's a symbol used in various religions and depicts an eye often enclosed by a triangle and surrounded by rays of light or glory meant to represent the concept of divine providence. Just look at a dollar bill. You can see it. So why all this information about eyes? Well, on this episode of Full Rigor, I discovered a couple of horrific crimes that involved the victim having his or her eyes gouged out of their sockets. In March of 2018, of course, these happened in Florida... A Palm Beach County woman was accused of fatally stabbing her 55-year-old mother with shards of glass and gouging the old woman's eyeballs right out of the socket during a drug-fueled attack. This was according to the arrest report. Now, 32-year-old Camille Bala was charged with first-degree murder in the death of her mom, Francisca Montario Bala, according to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. Deputies say when they arrived at the Royal Palm Beach home, the two women shared it. They found Camille, who appeared frantic, kind of in an excited delirium, sitting on the sidewalk. She was covered in blood, and she was saying, I killed my mother, I need help. That's what deputies said that she told them, and they wrote that in their report. Now, inside the home, a horror story. Deputies found blood-spattered walls throughout the house, discovered Monterio Bella's body in the garage. Now, her eyes had been removed from her head with pieces of glass, and they were placed on top of a nearby cardboard box. How scary is that? Now, deputies say that Bala told them she had smoked marijuana, but she suspected it was laced with Flaca or PCP. And first responders say that she was mumbling, screaming, and then ran out before she fell on the ground repeatedly yelling, I am a murderer. And you remember I did the podcast episode 25 on the Tequesta accused face-eating murderer, Austin Harreff who they thought was high on flock RPCP, but apparently he wasn't. He was just psycho. But you might want to check that podcast out for more fun. Now, back to Camille Bala. Deputies say they also found handwritten notes in the garage that had religious-themed written messages related to clearing of the soul. Remember I said with the eyes, if you get them correctly in a portrait, you really capture the person. So... Eyes are the window to your soul as well. So maybe that's what she had conflated in her mind that she was actually helping to clear her mother's soul by taking out her eyes and putting them on the box. It's just crazy. Now she was, Bala was treated for lacerations before she was booked into the jail and there she remains without bond. That's a pretty cut and dried case. Now taking a quick diversion from Florida to Texas where everything is bigger because this case is just bananas. In Texas, defense attorneys say that their client is so batshit crazy that he should not be executed. He was in for killing his girlfriend, her baby, and her son. All three were stabbed and their hearts ripped out. According to court records, Thomas believed Andre Jr. was the Antichrist and the 13-month-old, a related evil spirit. Thomas gouged out his right eye. After being arrested, he gouged out his remaining eye and ate it after being convicted so this guy gouged out his right eye i'm talking about the killer he didn't take it out of his victims he took out his own eye gouged it out not once but twice and then he eats the remaining eye and he appears to be mentally disturbed is what they're saying so he shouldn't be put to death his attorney says that they don't know all the details but they say that this guy should be remanded to a mental institution, and that would be more appropriate than jail or execution. Yeah, think? He didn't see that coming. Well, finally, back to Florida. A Florida prisoner in Columbia County killed his cellmate, and then took a trophy or two, cut his ear off, and then wore the ear on a necklace to the chow hall. <laughs> According to sources, It turned out to be a very violent day at the Columbia Correctional Institute near Lake City because in the morning you had an inmate-on-inmate murder and mutilation. And then in the afternoon, you had a garden-variety, gang-fueled prison riot. It was a wild day. Now, they identify the victim, who is the inmate, 58-year-old Larry Mark. He was serving a life sentence for a murder he committed in Broward County in 1981, but they don't identify his attacker. Now, he was brutally murdered and mutilated by his fellow inmate at Columbia Correctional Institution in September of 2018. Apparently, they say that this inmate was transferred they believe from death row to columbia correctional institution's annex was able to strangle and mutilate his cellmate gouge out his eyeballs wrap his blood-soaked body in a sheet and walk into the prison's chow hall wearing the dead inmate's ear on a string around his neck before prison guards got a heads up that something was amiss due to his unique new pendant (laughs) it's like hmm i wonder who that ear belongs to Well, two of the prison sources said that the cellmate became angry at Mark for pestering him, and after strangling him, he cut off his ear and gouged out the eyeballs. Three sources have confirmed this. And then he put the ear on a string around his neck, showing it off to several inmates before morning breakfast in the chow hall. He left the eyeballs, get this, in a cup in the cell, and told other prisoners that he intended to either eat or drink them later (laughs) as a snack. Now it's not clear why corrections officers failed to notice that one inmate was missing from the count before breakfast, but they did. And then there were unconfirmed reports that the killer had recently been transferred to Columbia from the Florida State prison where he had been on death row. Now, often inmates who have violent histories are considered a threat to other inmates in their house separately from the rest of the population. So that sounds like a, a major fuck up. The fuck up fairy showed up. Now, that grisly murder happened in the morning hours before an apparently unrelated gang melee erupted in another building on the compound. This is uh, located in Lake City, about 50 miles west of Jacksonville. Now, in that disturbance, two gangs, the Bloods and the Cutthroats, sounds like some really nice guys, began stabbing each other with knives in a clash over smuggled contraband. Now, only one officer was in the control room responsible for supervising scores of inmates at the time, including Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> it was sort of like his security detail that it happened in G dorm of the main building. Now, the murder happened in the prison's annex in a building separate from the main building where the armed battle took place later in the day. The annex and the main building are run as two distinct prisons, but they are part of the same compound with a total capacity of 3,000 inmates. Columbia houses some of the most violent inmates in the state of Florida. I mean, there are criminal gangs operating in every facility in the state of Florida, and inmate deaths are at an all time high in the Florida prison system, murders, and inmate-on-inmate inmate violence, like in this case, have exploded, according to the prison system. And I quickly wanted to share a fantastic story from today about a little 7-year-old Broward County boy who saved his mom's life. She was having a seizure, and he called 911. Is your mommy completely alert? What does that mean? Like, are her eyes open? Like, if you talk to her, is she responding to you? Mommy? No, she's not responding. her eyes are open. So Fort Lauderdale first responders say seven-year-old Aiden Tobin, who you heard right there, on the 911 call, is a hero. He bravely called 911 for his mom, Sasha McKenzie. As I said, she was having a seizure. Now, the Broward Sheriff's dispatcher says the boy was able to give her the address by reading it off an envelope. They asked if I could read it, and then I said yes, and then... I read a mail and gave her where I live, and then they came. How cool is that? And medical officials say they were able to quickly get to Tobin's home and to help his mother. She's going to make a full recovery. And then firefighters returned to the boys' home last week for what they call a hero celebration for its newest junior firefighter. So for more crazy, stressful 911 calls in Florida, go to my Full Rigor podcast episode 46 and also my interview with the West Palm Beach Fire Chief, Diana Maddy. She explains how they handle drug-induced excited delirium. Now, I want to end with a man who was charged with rape, now accused of murdering his accuser after he was released from prison because of coronavirus concerns. His name is Ibrahim Buachi, and he was indicted last year on charges that included rape, sodomy, strangulation, and abduction. He was jailed without bond in Alexandria, Virginia. He had been accused of the rape of Carla Dominguez last October. She testified about the crime in December. But in April, this guy's lawyers... Are argued the novel coronavirus put him and other inmates in danger, and a circuit court judge allowed his release on $24,000 bond on the condition that he stay confined, but no, he didn't. According to police, the 33-year-old returned to Alexandria on July 29th and shot and killed Dominguez outside her apartment. He was on the run for a while, but then he was spotted by police engaged in a vehicle pursuit resulting in a crash, and as they went to arrest him, they realized he had shot himself dead. Nice. So he was nice and safe from the dreaded horrible coronavirus, but his victim, oh no, was she safe? No, not even remotely. And now she's dead. Fortunately, so's he. Can I see a show of hands for those who are sick to death of the coronavirus? Ha ha ha, I see a lot of hands. By the way, I just wanted to thank you all. I passed the 400,000 download mark this month. I'm very excited about that. I'll let you know when we reach a half million. I really appreciate that you listen to my babbling and I hope you learned something and I hope you enjoy it. If you do give me five stars and be sure to check out my Instagram page, full rigor podcast. Until next time. Thanks for joining me. Peloton. Let's go this holiday with the right music